Hi, hi, how you doing? Um, hey, it is Jake. Uh, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Um, it is the next episode of Jake and James's Chuckle Fest for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival for 2023. Um, James is still not here. James is still unwell. Um, and I will apologise for that in just a moment. Um, but before that, um, yeah, I'll just let you know the shows that I'm going to be talking to you about in this Fantastic episode. It's going to win awards. You wait. Um, yeah, so uh, the first show is How to Be the Man by Zach Dyer, 18 by Caitlin Staples and Tiana Hogben, and Songs from the Heart in the Hole of My Bottom by Aidan Wilcox and Isaac Hay. Um, yeah, talk to you in just a second. Uh, hey, hey, you, you, you beautiful genius. Um, hey, thank you so much for being here. Um, it continues to just be Jake. Um, yeah, James is still unwell. I spoke to him on the phone yesterday. Um, it was his first day out of the house while he was talking to me on the phone in about a fortnight. Um, just keeping you up to date on that. Um, yeah, he has some sort of, you know, contemporary take on the bubonic plague. Um, and his days may be numbered. And I was thinking of waiting until he got better enough to come back on and talk about some shows with me. But, um, you know, at this point, it feels like waiting for him is like waiting for rain in this drought. Um, that was Hillary Duff. Um, yeah, I wasn't necessarily, I, I wasn't expecting to be recording an episode today, but I had like a really, really stupid fucking day. And, uh, I don't know, you, you know what they, you know, those motivation people are like, you know, when you, when you feel like doing something, do it because you never know when you're going to feel like doing something again. Um, and, and doing these, th- th- these episodes never ever feels like a chore, of course, but it was just like, for whatever reason, my heart and my mouth are drawn towards the idea of sitting down in the dark and lighting some candles quite quack um and and talking to you guys so again thank you for being here and thank you for giving me a reason to do this because it's yeah it's what my brain needs at the moment and i think my heart needs it too and i think um yeah no because it just i've had a really stupid day since it's just the two of us i feel like we can we can really open up to each other uh yeah stupid day not a sad one like i'm not about to unload a whole bunch of grief and trauma onto you but yeah just a stupid strange day and rounding it out with recording an episode of praise dionysus praise him just it just felt like a like a nice um nice way to do it especially because in this episode i'm talking about like three shows that i really really like loved three shows that that i i would just yeah that i'm just as i found always in the mood to talk about ever since seeing them and i'm excited to tell you about them um and yeah so so strap in for that um but yeah i'll tell you very very quickly about my stupid stupid day um one thing that happened was i i had to explain compassion to an adult man while eating fish curry and he laughed at me after i was done with my explanation i won't give you more detail but um that was <laughs> confronting and you know upsetting in a kind of like a strange like I don't know, you know, when you're forced to like explain human emotion to a robot and then you end up feeling insane. I don't know. Is, is that a relatable experience? I'm not sure. Um, please text me if it is. I need to talk to someone about it. It was absurd. Um, what else? Oh, a bug flew into my eyeball today while I was walking down the street and then it looked like I was crying for three and a half hours. <laughs> that is something else that happened. Please don't side with the bug. Um, I, I need some support through this. And the third thing that happened, um, this is not in chronological order. So if you're, if you're drawing up a flow chart, 
you fucked it already. Um, yeah. The third thing that happened um, to complete the the odd triumvirate of strangeness today, I got winked at at the gym. That that's not a thing I'm telling you to boast for either of the elements in that sentence. Um, uh, no, I was at the gym. Uh, don't applaud me. And a man winked at me. I didn't know we were still doing winking. Um, I definitely responded as if we were not in a country that permitted that type of thing. I looked very frightened, I'm sure. And, um, and, and I don't know, I did not handle it properly. I'm certain of that. Um, he and I are not engaged. So needless to say, I blew it. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, maybe it wasn't a wink. Maybe he had just recently got a bug to the eye. Um, anyway, that's, that's that. So yeah, sorry for making you sit through that atrocious collected collection of anecdotes. Um, yeah. So let's, yeah. In terms of like rating the last few days, even like rating today, um, out of five stars, I'm going to give my very strange day a, look, I'm going to give it 14 and a half stars, um, because it was a pretty good fish curry, um. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's talk about some comedy festival shows. Thank you so much again for being here with me. (laughs) Hey, hey, it's still me. Hey, it just occurred to me that as, as tends to happen with these solitary episodes, I feel the need to imagine you in a particular situation in order to continue effectively talking to you. Um, so I don't know, my, my, (laughs) I don't know, my inner goddess is telling me to, sorry, that's a term that's just on my mind because I've been recently talking about Fifty Shades of Grey a lot. My inner goddess wants you to be, I don't know, I want you to have like just been writing by candlelight, I think, and you're really satisfied with how your letter ended up turning out. Um, and now you're sitting there, um, feeling all satisfied from what you've accomplished. Um, anyway, so yeah, I will continue talking to you. Uh, so, uh, me and my friend Wheeler went to the Chinese museum and we went up a bunch of stairs and we got to the top of the number of stairs that we had to ascend. And then we got to another door, um, and we spoke to an usher and the usher was like, hey. And then we were there to see um, Zach Dyer in his stand-up comedy show, How to Be the Man. Uh, the usher was nice. The usher told us to sit in the front row. And because the usher was nice, I was real keen to obey him. So I, despite the fact that everything inside of my body did not want to do that, of course, because of my inherent cowardice. Because, I, <laughs> of course, if there's a fourth wall, absolutely I want to be in that front row. And if there is not a fourth wall, I would rather be sitting where the Phantom of the Opera would be sitting which is, you know, of course, in the rafters or spookily in the wings. Um, But yes, we went to the front row because of willing obedience to the usher man. And yeah, sat there uh, to see how to be the man. Uh, Zach Dyer came out um, and within the first couple of sentences confessed to know very little of how to be the man, which I thought was a sweet way to begin. we, We ended up at this show in the first place because it was like, I, it was it was my idea to attend this show because I knew nothing of Zach, nothing of his work at all. Um, he's won an award <laughs> for comedy, but that was irrelevant, of course, because what is an award, truly? Uh, the thing that attracted me to this show in the first place was um, the, 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 of course, the title and the poster and the look of Zach and the name of the show. Um, because he's just kind of like, looks, if you're going to go like, yeah, poster image looks just like, Handsome, tradey energy guy, um, pulling out a bicep, and then the title, of course, How to Be the Man. And that intrigued me because there's sort of like two options present themselves um, in terms of me being a clueless gentleman looking at a poster like that. And I think either this is going to be, uh, you know, like an ironic thing that he's called a show, um, and it's going to be a sweet guy that um, intends to kind of like upend a lot of traditional ideas of what a condescending cunty man will be like. 
Um, the other option, of course, uh, which to me is equally engaging, is the idea of a man genuinely wanting to impart to us the wisdom of how to be the, the best, the best blokey gentleman you can be and how to, um, you know, nab them chicks. <laughs> um, is what I believe the straight gentlemen are saying out on them streets. Uh, but yes, yes, thankfully it was the former um, which I always struggle with when people tell me that it's not the latter, but the former, because by then I tend to have forgotten what the former was. But yeah, Zach came out, confessed to, to not know how to be the man, and then he just proceeded to be an exceptionally funny person. Uh, not to immediately dive in talking about his sexuality, but I, I, I suppose the show in itself, in its essence and title and synopsis a bit, I suppose, kind of like <laughs> justify the need to bring it up. I guess it's a, yeah, he identifies as a heterosexual man, and something that sort of like struck me midway through it. Um, and certainly part of the reason that I was intrigued by the show in the first place was the chance to like sit down and listen to a straight guy talk for a while. Um, that that type of thing is not a thing that I actively seek out in my everyday like media and like imbibing existence. Um, just because I, I suppose, I why am I supposing? I think that I'm sure that I've ingested a lot of that type of content, I guess, in my stupid little life, I suppose. And for that reason, it's just not a thing that I seek out due to any kind of like, I haven't heard enough from straight guys lately. And I know this sounds very like, you know, like millennial TikTok leftist nonsense in terms of an opinion. Um, but, but I'm just, you know, I'm not one to be attracted to the idea of like seeing one of those movies where the poster is just like a bunch of squares with a different famous man's face in it. Uh, yeah, I, I just, that just doesn't appeal to me. Uh, so, so in a way, yeah, but I was, yeah, intrigued by this show and, and grateful for a chance to sit down and find out who this Zach person was and to like, listen to a straight guy talk for 55 minutes. Um, and, and to see what his experience of life has been like lately. And I'm really grateful that I did because again, it was, yeah, a, a really wonderful time watching this show and getting to know Zach to whatever extent you can kind of like <laughs> call it that when you're sitting there silently between chuckles listening to a person soliloquize um but yeah yeah so yeah sort of he started off kind of, uh, identifying himself as somebody that has come from like a, a rough town and uh, one of those like you know like nowhere places <laughs> and 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 yeah asked if anyone else in the audience was from one i myself am not um had me being very much like melbourne like central melbourne southeast melbourne kind of like born and bred I suppose, uh, so, and why do I keep supposing? I do know some things. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so it was a cool chance to, like, hear about a bit about how he, yeah, grew up, became a man from boyhood, um, having, like, a gay close friend and a gay brother. Uh, and it was interesting hearing about him growing up with a gay brother who tormented him while being, as he describes, kind of like a trans, like, transparently gay in the in the, you know, the classic sitcom-y way, um, his brother being super into baking banana bread, etc. Uh, that, that's, you know, it was interesting to me, certainly, because I only had kind of like the opposite experience. Like, I don't have a brother, but I have a bunch of gayness, and I grew up around people that could see it. And, yeah, imagining them being on the flip side is a thing that I can only imagine. Similarly with growing up in like a, like a scary rough-and-tumble town. Like I can, and I had a chance to sort of think about this since seeing it, um, since seeing how to be the man and something that maybe only interests me. Like maybe you'll find this very dull, but maybe you have your own version of it. But when thinking about, you know, the idea of like coming from like a, like a little country place with some, with some odd attitudes and some like larrikin characters 
and whatever you imagine when you think of that type of description. But when I imagine myself growing up in one of those places, I can only ever, and maybe this is a failure of my imagination or capacity for empathy or something, but I can only ever imagine myself as like a little gay kid growing up there and my gayness forcing me into like loneliness, you know? Uh, <laughs> and that was, yeah, that's <laughs> any time. Yeah. When I try to imagine my childhood in any other place, that is always a factor that contributes to my imagining of it. Um, and I don't know, that, that'll say something of course about, you know, minority living, but, uh, that's, that, that, that was something. So that was a fun thing to sort of interrogate in reflecting upon the show and what Zach was talking about. Um, and so, yeah, hearing about his experience with his brother and, and his experience as a child. Yeah. In terms of when I started, like, I don't know, <laughs> after seeing the show, especially laying his childhood down next to mine, that would, that was a thought experiment that I got to embark upon. And as well, he also talked a bit about um, working as a gardener and working as a labourer, um, and and that too. I just and not to make everything about gayness. I feel like my my lazy brain. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe it's because it's I don't know. The show is called How to Be the Man, um, and it's a straight guy telling me about it, and that for some reason just makes me have to think about my stupid gay perspective of things. So maybe, I don't know. I, what my mouth is making me currently say, fueled by my, my, my brain, <laughs> um, is making me want to talk about the fact of like, I like I thought about like the idea of wanting to be, like I'm the son of a plumber. Like I've been around people that work in trades and so forth. And I, part of me is quite sure that I could enjoy for at least a, like a period of time utilizing my accidentally, I don't know, inherent physical capacity to like build a thing or dig a thing or wash a thing or plug a thing in or be an electrician. Um, I'm too scared of electricity. I wouldn't be an electrician. But, you know, helping someone build a house or dig a hole sounds appealing to me. Um, but I just assume that I would get bullied off the work site. That's just a thing that I believe. Um, and, I, and I think I would need... A, uh, I don't know, I think I'd need the social component. Like, I think I would either want to be alone digging a hole or with some pals digging a hole. And again, a failure of my imagination is I just can't imagine being surrounded by chums. I think if I was randomly assigned a, a collection of other hole diggers, that they would bully me. <laughs> Maybe that is trauma speaking. Maybe that's, that's all that is. Uh, Zach also contributed wonderfully to this, as I've mentioned previously, <laughs> About this year's comedy festival, there is this this motif that is happening of people wanting to pile on with critiques and analyses of the polyamory, the like the polyamorous lifestyle. And um, I thought he had an excellent joke about it and said that polyamory is swinging for people with blue hair. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, uh, he also touched on the shame inherent in uh, ordering Uber Eats, which I get. I super duper get it because, as he says, like you're never in a tremendous state when you're when you're doing that, um, unless you're entertaining friends. Um, it often happens in your darker times. Quack quack. And uh, yeah, and I, you know, the, the the dull part of me appreciated the fact of him interrogating that because I think Uber Eats points us in a potential conversational societal conversation direction of um, having to interrogate the comfort that people sometimes seem to have when it comes to like having a servant. Like I think the amount of time that I've spent working in hospitality, it's really revealed to me how <laughs> some people just really take to the idea of just having a person to dote on them and bring them food. 
And uh, I don't know, there's something really repulsive about someone being just very, very comfy with the thought of someone someone being like, oh, would you like some more potatoes, you beautiful king? Um, I think... I, I, I think decent people should be uncomfortable with that with that type of interaction. Um, but that's just something to chew on. It's something too that, that that just, I don't know, that made me mad when it came to like lockdown and people being so desperate to get back to restaurants. Like I understand that the industry was suffering, but like why are so many of you just like so confidently yelling about how much you need to go and sit in a public space and eat a burger that you paid $17 for in front of other people doing the same thing? I don't understand these people. Um, anyway, off the soapbox, talk more about Zach Dyer. He was so great. I just enjoyed sitting there watching him talk in the sort of way where it was like, I don't know, somehow in moments it felt kind of like, and this is to do with like his demeanor, his confidence, his, like the things he was saying, the way he was saying them. Like there were moments where I caught myself just feeling kind of like I'd asked a really like interesting, appealing person, a question at a party, and then he'd sort of like forgotten I was there and then just kept talking and talking and like <laughs> the sun was setting and he was smoking a cigarette and uh, he, so I don't know, kind of like kept implicitly apologizing for rambling and not asking me any questions. And, but then I was just like, no, forget about me. You just keep talking. And he just, yeah, just continued to be just this, like just an avalanche of like sweet observations and excellent jokes. And just, I just really enjoyed what felt like just delightful company from this like tall talented man and it was nice to hear him talk so he talked so earnestly about the fact of him wanting to make a living out of doing stand-up comedy and he and I are a similar age and it's just nice anytime like shamelessly stating the things that you want and the person that you want to be and the thing that you're chasing after and and taking ownership of your skill set you know especially when it's something theatrical or like in, you know, stand-up comedy or, like, any sort of art that requires that level of gumption that, I don't know, I'd say especially in Australia where kind of, like, a little bit ashamed out of being proud of. Um, like, I was, I was just really grateful to hear that from him. Um, and he should be confident about it, obviously. Like, my opinion doesn't matter. <laughs> but <laughs> he should be confident about it because he's, he's really talented and really fantastic. So, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing him again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do not know if I'm any closer to being the man, uh, but but I, I, I am grateful for my experience with Zach. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> so uh, me and beautiful British Johnny went to see 18, which is a show. It's a sketch show um, that is, what is it? So it's like, <laughs> it's a sketch show that has like grown out of the bulb of Caitlin Staples and Tiana Hogbin having been friends for 18 years. I don't know why I went botanical with my metaphorical explanation of the show, but they have been best friends for 18 years. And that is kind of like, yeah, the, the, the basis upon which everything rests and is united. Was that a clearer way to say it or a clunkier one? Or some more hurtful third option. But yeah, friends for 18 years, they met in high school and 18 years after they met, they've made a show and a lot of the material has been drawn from that experience together. Which of course, I just think is so like wildly beautiful. Let's just get that out of the way. It is so nice for them to have even like known each other for that long. Let, like let alone 
loved each other for that long and to be as close as they are and to want to make art out of that, I just think that is so fucking nice. Like, even if this show had been a piece of garbage, I just think that is something so worth celebrating. Fortunately, though, it was such a good time. Uh, it was a really good time. And now I'm going to talk to you about my experience there and what made it so excellent. Um, Part of the magic of the show was just, like, the, the, the presence of the very, like, evident fact of the two of them really care about, like, caring about understanding each other. Uh, respecting each other and like like clearly just knowing each other very well especially like even in this like on stage context and it was like it was present in everything from a moment where Caitlin moved a strand of Tiana's hair out of her face while she was talking or um through to just like a clear understanding of like each other's rhythm like rhythms and cadences and and on stage behavior like it was cool to witness that and part of that too like with the subject matter being so personal to them it was like somehow that at least for me, felt like it enabled us to be very, very knowingly laughing with each other in the way of like these two people are sharing this like their joint tale together with us, and we can also comfortably just enjoy what they're talking about. And I don't know, somehow that felt very like unique and wonderful. Um, I want to, <laughs> and I mean, honestly, like to linger on that point for a second. It was really, really nice to see a version of this because like, if, like even when I was reading the synopsis of the show, and it's like two two ladies talk about their eighteen year old relationship and they're like their friendship together and there was that you know that 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 <laughs> that pessimist that i think a lot of us have inside of us when you know considering what shows to see or what a show is even going to be like irrespective of whether or not you attend it and <laughs> i'd say like a worst case scenario for a show like this could be entering into it and finding it to be very like hyper sentimental and like like absurdly like narcissistic and very like self-involved and almost like insular in its nature um there is a there could be like a terrible version of this show that's very much just like we're funny we, we find each other funny and we have a past and look at these photos of our childhood isn't it interesting that we have a childhood did you have one irrelevant <laughs> um but but no they it fell into none of those pitfalls because everything that was on stage in front of us was was a fun experience because of like how funny these women are the curated things that they chose to show us, like the relics of their past and the photos that they showed us. There was this, and I think a prime example of the fact of them like using their joint past as generative, like a generative source and then turning it into legitimate comedy. I don't know what legitimate comedy means. Using, <laughs> using their shared history as a jumping off point for comedy. A, like a small, really wonderful example of that, I'd say is uh, there, was, there was a portion where they were showcasing like photos from their childhood and Caitlin, for whatever reason, went through this phase of wearing a bowler hat to every social occasion that she went to. And this quickly turned into her singing a rendition of Nickelback's photograph, <laughs> but changing the words to look at this bowler hat every time I do it makes me laugh. And I think that was just really tremendous comedic theatrical craftsmanship. I just think that was genius. Uh, <laughs> that's all. Um, I also want to point out that like one really wonderful uh, that, yeah, that they <laughs> utilized this performing like performance device that I had never in I, I, I don't think I've ever experienced it before. And it just like the moment it started happening, it like shot to the top of my ladder of like favorite things that you can do in theater i i think it was great like the whole thing just really excited me and they were a part of i need to give you a little bit of backstory in terms of like what this show's about and what happens but they they went to like high school together there was a drama teacher that seems to be like this bonkers person with a real passion for irish history that would write them school plays and that's like a recurring thing that we keep revisiting throughout the show in different ways 
And one of the ways that this happens, like maybe like a third of the way through the show, they're like, okay, we're going to give you like an example script of a play that we were in. And then they hand out a bunch of scripts to a bunch of people in the audience. And uh, a lot of like, there's maybe like 10 scripts passed out. And uh, each person in the audience that gets a script is assigned a different character to like say the lines of. And then we like just read the script together almost as like a, almost feels like a table read of a, like a cold read of a brand new script we've received. And it was just like a beautiful way to like bring an audience together, to bring them in on a joke, to really feel like you're participating in exploring the history of this, (laughs) this beautiful friendship. And also to participate in what even by then had been established as being like a really cool piece of comedic theater. And I appreciated it because it was a clever, it was innovative. It was like a, it was a version of audience participation that excited me as opposed to made me like shrivel in fear. Uh, and yeah, even, and even just like as a theater maker, which is lame to call myself in my mind, um, it was, it was cool to see a device that I don't remember having ever experienced before. And it being one that is so inherently theatrical, like so often you will have that experience. And this is a, I don't know, a very elementary thing to say, but you'll have that experience of like sitting down with a bunch of people you barely know and reading a script together and kind of discovering it as a group and to be doing that (laughs) in a theater show to be doing like a version of that and getting to have those sorts of familiar sensations on top of the ones that you experience when you're seeing something legitimately funny and clever I was yeah super grateful for it and it was like yeah I don't know it just like it got me going I just thought it was really really smart and on top of that of course I am just immediately just like captivated by anyone telling any story about any element of their experience doing high school theater. I just think it's the, the like one of the best subject matters to be talking about in life, on stage, in a comedy festival, outside of it. I am just always all ears for that. <laughs> And yeah, as I think is obvious, this show was just like very, it's just like a bunch of stuff that I'm really into. Like I, I love watching women talking. I like women talking about women. I like people talking about theater. I like people exploring theater and celebrating theater in theater. Um, and they're also just like, the two of them have just like very clearly just like wonderful senses of humor. The show went to something like goofy, surprising, unexpected, like, I don't know, doofy places. And I'm just such an advocate for doofiness. And I just, yeah, the whole thing was just like surprising. And like Hamish and Andy never really resonated with me. They seem like lovely people, but I I want nothing to do with them. Um, So yeah, I will happily have Caitlin and Tiana instead. Uh, They they are smart, courageous, (laughs) really, really funny theater makers and uh, comedy people, (laughs) which I believe is the term they prefer. And yeah, even kind of like outside of theater in the first place, like it was even just like (laughs) marvelous to witness as you'd get to do in life, like as you get to do just in like walking around and knowing people, like to get to see a friendship, to see a relationship and to somehow grasp what is so magical about that connection. was a, is a thing I'm always grateful for and to get to see it on stage is all the more incredible just by virtue of it being on stage. So yeah, grateful for this really cool piece of comedy. Hey, so uh, me and beautiful British Johnny went to see a comedy festival show. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, and it was, so this one was in the same room that I saw Alistair Baldwin's 
Everest show during the Fringe Festival? I know that that means nothing to a lot of you. I'm certain that that is the case, but I don't know how to be more specific. I am not entirely certain of how to describe where we were. I think historically the building used to be for the unions, I think. I know we went up a bunch of stairs to get there. Um, that's that's my explanation. So, I don't know, I've gave, given you all the pieces, you put it together yourself. Uh, yeah, no, so we went to see Songs from the Heart in the Hole of My Bottom. Um, and uh, yeah, when inside, the show itself is by Aidan Wilcox and Isaac Hay, and they are like the two men at the helm of this thing, and they're the two people on stage for the bulk of the the runtime. They're, they're the people in the show. That's a different, like a collection of different ways to say the same thing. And the thing itself operates as if it's like two croony gentlemen, two guys with like Frank Sinatra energy that have just, you know, coming off like a, like a Las Vegas tour, that kind of thing where it's like, like I myself have never, like I believe people when they say that like, Dean Martin and like Frank Sinatra are like these big deal, super handsome, appealing people that, you know, you, you want to go and see, sing on a cruise ship. Like I, I understand that that's <laughs> a version of entertainment that super duper existed. Like, look, I love high society. I'll watch high society any day of the week. Um, the movie, not just like that collection of people. I have no interest in doing that, but, um, you could dryly describe this show as being uh, a spoof of that style of like scatty, jazzy Frank Sinatra style entertainment. Um, but uh, excitingly, you could also say that it's um, sort of like recreating and uh, reviving, I'd say, a, like a somewhat like dead style of uh, mainstream entertainment. In a, in a, like a, <laughs> it's it's almost like that that replication thing of like it's not quite how it would have been, but it like reminds you enough of it. And it's in itself reminding you of a thing that you never yourself truly experienced. Like, unless you were around for like, to go to like a Frank Sinatra gig, like it's, it's that experience of kind of like being reminded of a place that you never were, um, is one element of what makes this show so engaging and interesting because it's like, because it feels familiar, but I feel like I've never truly actually experienced it in either like a parody or legitimate form. Like I've been to a Michael Bublé concert, which of course is embarrassing, but, um, it wasn't that. These characters are kind of like, yeah, it's like a, like a pair of like poorly photocopied Frank Sinatra's or like, two cousins of Dean Martin who are convinced that that he's actually not that talented and anyone could do it. Uh, it's somehow like if you hit Michael Bublé on the head with a shovel. I don't know, but of course all done like self-awarely and great. <laughs> These are the guys that you have in front of you. These very like <laughs> confident, <laughs> somehow charged with sex, euphemism spouting, alcoholically influenced, sing-songy hot guys. <laughs> And, and for all those reasons and more, it was just a really wonderful time. Uh, <laughs> one of the reasons this show really sticks out to me and why I keep bringing it up with people in conversation is because of the way that the, like the, the world that it creates is so like enveloping and warm and engulfing, like this fake jazzy performance. I don't know, his, I don't know, somehow like, like historically charged <laughs> um, false environment that, that we are, asked to participate in is so like inviting and strange and lovely and charming that it just like won me over so quickly and just like held me there. It was so nice. And it was just like, <laughs> like Isaac and Aiden on stage being just so like comfortable and into it and all of their like 
eyebrows and eye contact and uh, the way that they lent so convincingly into their own self-confidence and the way that, that, I don't know, and they were so like goofy and comfortable in their goofiness and it allowed you as well to just kind of like play the role of people watching these guys. I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Part of it being hard to define is part of why I keep asking people to see it so that they can talk to me about how it was so like perplexingly intoxicating. Um, and this is embarrassing. I'm only telling you because, you know, it's you and me and I trust you. But I definitely had like the, and part of it was like theater magic, but I definitely had like the very real experience of like swooning, you know? Like I swooned. And then after that, everything that I found funny was also like couched in this kind of like pathetic little embarrassment of like, you know, when, <laughs> you know, when you're like attracted to a person and they're like telling you like a shit story or they tell a crappy joke, but you just laugh because you like them and you... <laughs> You just want them to know that you like them and you <laughs> are also just like easily won over to truly anything that they do. Like I I had the theater version of that. And, and look, yes, if you've listened to more than one episode of this podcast, I'm sure that you've heard me have similar experiences in the past, I suppose. And yes, I know that's a weakness of mine. And yes, I know it's humiliating. And I don't know, I have no defense for it. But I'm just saying it happened at this show and part of it, part of it was because of just like <laughs> this bizarre cocoon that existed out of time that we were sitting in while we watched Isaac and Aiden do their Buble-esque thing. <laughs> I also just want to point out like a, a beautiful little thing. Like it's been so nice. Part of what I've really loved about this festival is getting to see like the little flecks of the, the, the theater making side of the, the shows that we're seeing in terms of like the existence of these performers and their these artists' relationships outside of things. And there was just like one moment where someone like stumbled on a line and then the person that Johnny and I were sitting next to that was operating the sound of the lights, like giggled because clearly it was a mistake. And I just thought it was like, it was like one of the sweetest moments in the show for at least me, because it's just like, you know, it's one of those like little reminders that these people all know each other and they're working together and they are still enjoying what they're doing. And that just really stuck out as a thing that, I don't know, meant a lot to me in the moment and in reflection. And I don't know, I, I just wish I, I wish I could collect all these moments and make them into like a necklace. I don't know. <laughs> um, of course, as well, there were a bunch of songs, a bunch of songs. The two guys have really lovely singing voices, especially for like this genre of song. Um, and uh, yeah, and they, the songs of course ranged in the you know, subject matter. There was one about having mummy issues. There was another one that quite cleverly interrogated the way in which so many songs, especially of this time period, I suppose, but generally speaking, intend to like celebrate women or a particular woman, but end up focusing largely on just like hollow elements of the idea of a human lady. Um, yeah, like songs that spend too much time fixating on a woman's hair when in actuality women are a bunch more than that and they certainly should appear more obviously that if you've fallen in love with one. <laughs> uh, and oh my god, the theme song as well, like songs from the heart in the hole of my bottom is incredible. It's been stuck in my head ever since I saw the show and I will not stop singing it around my house. So stop asking me to. Hey, so yeah, that's that's three comedy festival shows uh, talked about by me with you. Um, if you're, you know, still sitting in that candlelight, I hope it hasn't gotten too low. I hope you can still see well enough to, you know, get to bed or whatever it is you're going to be doing next. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, sorry to be lame. I yeah, um, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you for listening. Hopefully, yeah, speak to you in the in the next episode. Speak to you soon. Um, 
And I hope, yeah, again, if you're listening to this like in real time, if it is, if it is, yeah, you know, if the comedy festival is still in full swing, get out there and swing with it. Um, yeah, um, yeah, sorry, I, I will not keep you any longer. Thank you so much for being here. It's really, really sweet and generous of you. Um, as usual, I may already disagree with everything that I just said, and friends, don't let friends become theatre critics. Um, happy Comedy Festival, and speak to you really soon. <laughs>